What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode. This week, I'm talking to my friend Josh Lewis from Bywise Mortgage. I've known Josh and Scott for several years now, and the two make a great combination. Scott is just a data scientist and automations ninja when it comes to marketing, and Josh is a data scientist when it comes to loans and understanding the market. In this episode, we're going to dive into the pillars of his business and how they've managed to nearly double their business in the middle of a pandemic and their strategy for continuing to capture new business and continue to build on their marketing to get more repeat and referral business from their past client database, but also going after new business by partnering with realtor partners and creating those relationships. Excited to kick this one off. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Weekly Boost. My name is Ricardo Bueno, and I'm a 10-year veteran of the real estate industry. And this podcast is dedicated to taking an honest look at the reality of marketing and growing your real estate business. My guess is you want to close more deals, whether it's working with buyers or sellers. But it's not as easy as some people, like bullshit marketers, would have you believe. I spend my day consulting with some of the best agents in the industry, which basically means I have a front row seat to the behind the scenes of world-class marketing campaigns and listing strategies, and I'm here to unveil some of those strategies and tactics with you. Listen in as I share what's good in real estate and the world of marketing. Let's go. What's up, guys? Ricardo here, and welcome to another episode. This week, I'm super excited. Uh, Usually, I interview other realtors, but today, I thought, let's get somebody to talk mortgages with us. Uh, Josh is a good longtime friend of mine, him and Scott Shang, who you've probably seen at a couple of our events if you've ever been to any one of our classes. But Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. No, thanks for having us. Thanks for including a boring numbers guy (laughs) in the the fascinating real estate discussions. Oh, that's awesome. So Josh, you've been, when I think about how long I've been in the business, how long we've been in the business, man, it's, it's, it's been a minute. Yeah. So this, uh, this, is, this is year 26. And I'm like, I'm not even 26. How could I have been <laughs> in the business longer than I've been alive? Oh my gosh. So more than a few market cycles, for sure, that's for sure, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, tell, tell us about your particular mortgage shop. How do you guys kind of operate your business? G- give us a little bit of background because you know we've had other guests on here to talk about real estate, how long they've been in the business, how they structure your business. Uh, you, you're obviously on the opposite side. You're on the financing side. But tell us about how you run your shop, you know, kind of how you got here and what the goal is for 2021. So, um, yeah, let me just kind of start back at the beginning. I started doing loans in 95. In 1995, I graduated from college. Um, I was either going to go to law school or go overseas and play basketball. Huh. And, and uh, I partially ruptured my patellar tendon about two weeks after my senior season. And oh, it's gosh. a great injury in that they don't have to do a surgery to fix it. It's awful in that there's no timetable. They said it could be three months. It could be 12 months. So just, no keep, coming back. just keep coming back every six to eight weeks. We'll take a look and we'll tell you. <laughs> So after about four or five months, um, so about October of 95, my dad comes in and he says, son, um, as much as it's been fun having you lay on the couch and, you know, <laughs> just hang out and stuff, since that knee is not healed, I think a job would be appropriate. So oh, wow. I'm still thinking, <laughs> okay, I, I decided I didn't want to go to law school. I didn't want three more years of, of student loans, more school and more of that grind. And I still wanted to debt, play basketball. Debt, debt. 
Yeah, exactly. So I still wanted to play basketball. So I was like, okay, this knee's going to be fine. Uh, you know, by the spring, I'll get back in shape next summer, um, get into some summer pro leagues here in, in Southern California, and then we'll get uh, a job playing basketball. Um, actually, when my, when my dad said, get off the couch and go get a job, I'm like, okay, well, what can I do? <laughs> so one of my cousins is a processor, a loan processor. Um, my step grandpa is a realtor, was a realtor. He's gone now. Um, but both of them said, yeah, go, go do the loan stuff, especially if it's shorter term, you can get in, figure it out. So I had a cool intro to the business in that um, the company that my cousin worked for, she, they, that she was a processor for, the way they originated their loans is they had a call center, a little tiny one, about 12 guys um, working off a predictive dialer, and they would just call through, they would buy lists from title or get that then Wait, title. Boi- give you- boiler room? A boiler room. So think about that. Back then in the 90s, <laughs> title could give you lists. Hey, I oh need a list. Gosh. They'd give you the data. They'd load it up in their dialer. And the dialer, like I kid you not, we think of software as a service. No one knows. We had a giant server in the other room that was the dialer. Oh, wow. Break down and cause problems. All sorts of fun stuff. Now I'm starting to feel old. I'm like, bro, you are way older. <laughs> the predictive dialer, actually, it's own machine. <laughs> but the cool thing was um, I interviewed with the owner and he goes, yeah, cool. We'll put you on the dialer. And he goes, as soon as you figure out what you're doing and can sell loans, then we'll make you a loan officer. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you go into the call center and um, no offense to anyone else. A lot of people in call center, it's a good first job in recovery. So you have all these people who are in recovery, the chain smoke on every break. They're wearing t-shirts and cutoffs. <laughs> And I come in there in a shirt and tie and I get on the dialer and I go have a, you know, a Gatorade or an iced tea at break. They're like, well, who's this square over here? What's this problem? <laughs> so about, about two weeks into it, I get promoted to being a loan officer. And next thing, the, the following Monday, everyone came in in a shirt and tie and stopped taking the smoke break. <laughs> so it was, it was a, a funny thing, but it was good. Two, two and a half weeks on the dialer um, is enough to know that you don't ever want to work in a call center or work off of a predictive dialer. But most importantly, you got to have a lot of conversation conversations with a lot of people real quick and figure out how to build rapport, figure out what you need, and then just see deals. You're not really seeing deals because you're just asking basic right. information and handing it over to the loan officer, but it gives you an idea. I would have had no idea if they had said, hey, here, figure out this loan or go talk to this borrower. So after two and a half weeks at, with a college degree and two how, and a half weeks on the predictive dialer. How many people you think you were talking to per day? Um, dials, you're making two, 300 dials a day. And, and that grind, data, the, the huh? crazy thing is it's just calling through the same list. You would see the same names come up. The person would be like, dude, stop calling me. You've called <laughs> like eight times. So it was funny. Like as, again, as a, as a college basketball player, um, there was a guy that ran, um, the Reebok Slam and Jam leagues here when I was a kid and everyone knew who he was. His name kept coming up in my dialer and he was like, Josh, stop calling me. I'm not going to refinance my mortgage. <laughs> So no, it was, it was good times, funny, interesting times, but from there, um, a good friend of mine, her, a very good friend from high school, her dad ran a real mortgage company that worked with realtors and did purchase loans and built relationships and a database and all that stuff. So uh, after about three months of doing subprime loans and back then legit subprime loans, (laughs) you know, like you have a pulse. Great. You can get a house. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were crazy. It was actually before the pulse stuff. It was, it was just <laughs> high, high rates based off of equity, you know, 65, 70% oh, wow. of value paying a ton for the loans. Um, and you just realize like, this isn't what I want to do. This is not what I want to do. So my, my friend, Aaron Finken, um, her dad said, no problem. We'll get you into a real estate office. Yeah. 
you can sit at the desk. We have, we have an, an internal relationship there. You can go to the meetings every week. So it was literally the best thing that ever could have happened to me because for four or five years, not only did I have, who's one of my good buddies, uh, another loan officer that was four or five years ahead of me and knew a lot of stuff that I didn't know. I was replacing on that desk one of the owners of our company who was awesome and taught me so much. So I had my friend's dad. I had the owner of our company. I had my buddy who they were all there. And they didn't look at me as competition. They were like, hey, we own this office. I mean, back yeah. then we were getting 65% capture rates out of that real estate oh, wow. office. So different time. There, no yeah, one yeah. gets numbers like that anymore. But they were like, no, these are our friends. Hang out, talk to them, learn from them. Um, teach them what you know about mortgages, which it took me a year or two to actually know anything to teach them. But it, it was a perfect learning experience of understanding the business and seeing how realtors work and what they do and what's important to them. So it was just, it was good times. And being, being, being able to understand them, what they're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Yep. So that education was invaluable, way better than three years of law school. So um, from there, that company um, made some bad business decisions, went into wholesale and lost a ton of money and went out of business. So I, oh, went, wow. to another, I went to another direct lender because I was like, well, I like these guys. Let's find something similar to it. Right. And from there, September 11th happened and everything kind of shakes out. And you're like, whoa, what the hell's going on? Went to a broker shop from there and essentially have been a broker since then. From 2003, late 2003 through 2006, right before the crash, I ran consumer direct lending over at Stearns, Stearns Lending in Santa Ana. And that was, again, a wonderful learning experience. It yeah. was terrible, but it was a wonderful learning experience. So um, through all that, um, basically realized that the broker business is best for me. I think it's best for right. most borrowers, not all borrowers, best for most borrowers. It's best for me. It gives me the freedom and the flexibility to shop for the best terms for, for the borrowers. It allows me from our end, like a lot of my friends that work at direct lenders, a new technology comes out. Even something simple as you want to do YouTube videos. Well, you work at a direct lender. They go, no, you can't do that. Or you can do it, but you have to send them to us and we'll approve them two weeks later. Oh, you can't say that. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, is it right? Red tape, the right word? Red tape is the perfect word. And, and I understand if I ran a big direct lender, I'd probably be the same way. You don't want a bunch of Yahoo yeah. loan officers running around saying crazy stuff and getting you sued. But at the same time, I, I know what I'm talking about. You, I know you got to play I, within a very well-defined box, in other words. Yep. Yep. So for multiple reasons, it allows us to use the technologies we want to use. You, you and I were just talking about Lotusoft, a new one we're implementing here. That's awesome. But if I was a direct lender, I would have to go and convince them that everyone in the company should use this. I don't right. have to do that. I just decide my company needs to use it. So all seven of us, we're using it. Um, yep. If I want to do a YouTube channel, I do it. So it's important for us. We do everything within compliance. I do have compliance reviews on all of our marketing materials and that stuff. But for the most part, it's me. It's my decision. Um, from the borrower perspective and from the realtor perspective, I have a million options. I was watching, there's a guy that has a big YouTube channel um, and just thumbing through YouTube last night. And he's talking about uh, 2021 uh, FHA updates. Mm -hmm. And he's a kid. He's like 25, 26 years old. And he's only worked at a direct lender. And he says, um, FHA loans are overlay stacked, meaning that FHA writes the guidelines, but then the lenders just add a lot of overlays. Like, no, no, they don't. Your lender <laughs> adds a lot of overlays. So for the most part on the broker side, we have no overlays or the lenders that do have overlays. You decide, are those hoops worth jumping through? Or do you want to go to a lender that has no overlays? So we can shop around. If you've got a perfect vanilla borrower, maybe this lender with all these overlays is just cherry picking off the best loans ever so they can close them fast at great rates. We go there. 
if it's a shady borrower that is just barely has the, the credit score requirements and the DTI and it's a manual underwrite, mm -hmm. we have a handful of underwriters that will do that also. So every situation is we have to look at the borrower and go, what are their needs in terms of everyone wants low rates, everyone right. wants good service and fast turn times and all that. But honestly, we have two lenders that we work with that are terrible. <laughs> I still I still send them borrowers. And why? Because there are borrowers that only those two terrible lenders no will touch. lend to. <laughs> so it's just it's setting expectations. I say, right. hey, Joe, um, the good news is we have a lender that will loan to you. The bad news is they're terrible. But again, a reminder, we can't go anywhere else. This is what that experience is going to be right. like. And if they're buying and they're working with the realtor, we tell them, hey, I have a home for this. It's going to work. These are the things to expect in terms of delays, stupid conditions, asking for unnecessary things. <laughs> so we have the flexibility to do that. And I know people on the broker side, they're like, yeah, that's cool. You have that flexibility. I choose not to do it. And that's, that's the right decision for them. The cool thing about mortgage and real estate is we all get to build our businesses and do what we want to do. So for me and my clients, it really is the freedom of being a broker. We generally have lower rates and lower fees. Most of the time, significantly lower rates and fees, especially on FHA and VA loans, which are a good portion of our business. Um, but we have the freedom and flexibility to deliver in the way I want to put that experience together for our clients. Right. Uh, let's talk about your business. So what, what's the makeup of your business right now? How was last year? How did last year impact you guys? And has it changed the sort of business plan? So it, it has, but in, not, in, not in necessarily in the ways that you would think that they are. Mm -hmm. Our business, so you would ask, how, how are we structured? So our goal in a perfect year, we get a third of our clients from online marketing. We're not mm -hmm. buying leads. We're not doing that crap. It's the stuff Scott does online. It's the stuff that I do online. Basically building relationships with people online so they inquire with us because they know we can solve their problem. Mm -hmm. About a third of our clients uh, and, and closed business each year is our past client database. We've both been in the business over 20 years. We know a ton of people and we have good relationships with them. So it's staying in front of them, reminding them, hey, we're in the business, we do loans and we want to do your loan and your friends and family's loans. So there's that what, piece. What, it, what does that look like from a 30,000 foot view? Because I know we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the details of what a good past client strategy looks like. But, but for you guys, right. how do you guys manage that? Let's circle back to it. It's a great question. Let's just finish what the third pillar is. Mm -hmm. The third pillar for us is, is realtor business. So um, I, I, I'm going to say this. I, don't, I know this is mainly a realtor audience. I don't want to offend any realtors. This is the honest truth. Mm -hmm. And if a realtor says the same exact thing about lenders, I don't get offended. It's the honest truth. Mm -hmm. In both businesses, 80% of the professionals are worthless. I don't want to work with them. You don't want to work with them. If they have a listing, you don't want to write an offer on their house because you know that even if you win, your client wins the bidding, you're stuck dealing with that clown for the next four to six weeks. Mm -hmm. So for the same de degree, we're, we're looking at that. They're saying for that pillar, it's not the biggest pillar of our business. A lot of people, 80% of their business is realtor based. Mm -hmm. I have some realtors that I love to death. You know, you've had one of my best friends and best realtor partners, Jeb Smith on here. Like you give me a hundred Jebs and I will build my business around realtors. They're not, they're not easy to find. You know what I'm saying? There aren't right. that many of them out there. Um, and some of them wouldn't want to work with me, not because they don't like me or don't think I'm good at doing loans. Maybe they have a brother that does loans. Maybe mm -hmm. they have a best friend that is awesome at doing loans. 
Maybe they already own a mortgage company. There's a million reasons that have nothing to do with me that someone may not want to work with me. <laughs> right. So we're already starting with a little subset of, of professionals that are doing a volume of business that, uh, that we would want to work with, that we mesh with, that are a good fit. Right. Um, for them and for us, it's a two-way street. So we want as many introductions as possible to get out and talk to people, but it doesn't always fit. And for us, that one-third, one-third, one-third works really, really well. Um, I always want realtors to be a portion of our business. So obviously, what happened in there, 2020... There's a discovery process. Yeah, a thousand percent for mm -hmm. them and for us. And, um, you know, we... Going back to my time in the 90s inside of, of that Century 21 office and seeing how they work, I think we are uniquely suited to know what do they need? Why is this important? What mm -hmm. has to happen to make them look good? At the end of the day, we have one internal goal here, and I've modified it to be like one and a half things. And it used to be simply get to the end of the transaction and get a five-star review. You go, okay, that's part of it. But this, the second part that we've amended it to gets us back to where you were asking about the database is make sure that person wants to happily and eagerly give us a five-star review and refer at least one friend, family member, coworker to us. Mm -hmm. if, every, if, if every closed customer brings us another closed customer, marketing takes care of itself. Yep. It's a little oversimplification. You still have to remind them like they'll forget. <laughs> they'll forget. We yeah. had a couple of clients this year that we did a great job for a fireman and two cops. Amazingly, firemen only work one out of about every three days. A bunch of firemen conclude they want to be realtors or loan officers. <laughs> so they're always telling their buddies, hey, I got two days off. I can do your loan. So you, you never own a client. You have right. to stay in front of them, remind them you did a good job. You're still in the business and you want to do it. So that goes back to what we do and how we manage our database. Mm -hmm. um, there's no right or wrong answer to this. And I would say that Scott and I had very, so Scott and I have worked together since um, late 2015. So this is the fifth full year. And part of the reason why we partnered is we have a very similar view on building a database and mm -hmm. nurturing the relationship with that database. Now, all of that combined with in 2018, we hooked up with uh, an old friend of Scott's, Carl White. Carl mm -hmm. White runs a coaching program called the Freedom Club. So my ideas, Scott's ideas came together. We joined Freedom Club and Freedom Club has some very specific ideas on how you follow up with your past client database. And what I will tell anyone is you look <laughs> at it and you go, it's, it sounds kind of overly simplistic. And you're like, it is. At the end of the day, it's just fundamentals. It's just blocking and tackling. <laughs> Stop worrying about how to throw behind the back passes and just worry about blocking and tackling. So in real terms, what does that mean for us? So it starts in process while, while, while you're, you, have, you have a 30-day audition with both the realtor and the borrower to show them, here's how we do business. Mm -hmm. communicate with them. So for, for Freedom Club, what, uh, what your week looks like is a Monday through Thursday follow-up cadence. Monday is following up with all of your realtor partners or prospective realtor partners. When did realtors likely get out and find a new client? Over most the weekend. Times, most times over the weekend. Yep. So check in with them. Um, did any of the clients we're working with write an offer? Did you need me to follow up on any of those offers? Super competitive market. Can I put in my two cents to hopefully, you know, sway uh, whatever weight we can our way? Um, qualify or cross-qualify anyone? Anyone that needs to be qualified or cross-qualified would love to help you and just mm -hmm. be there. So that's your Monday calls. Your Tuesday is your in-process stuff. It gives you all day Monday to figure out 
what's going on with the files. Hopefully we know every day what's going on with them. <laughs> but by the Tuesday morning pipeline review, we know what's there. And we're reaching out to every party in the transaction, realtors, escrow, borrowers, all borrowers. So if you have a husband and wife, we're going to try and call both of them. You just want to make, you, you can't over communicate in that situation. Never. And as a realtor and trying to make phone calls, you, you probably also realize people don't answer their phones. So you get credit <laughs> for being awesome and making a call. And all you had to do is leave a voicemail. Yeah. Hey, just wanted to give you an update. Boom, boom, boom. Here's where it's at. If you have any questions, let us know. So that's the simple part. Wednesday is your past clients. You're calling two letters of the alphabet every week so that in 13 weeks you make your way through it four times a year you've reached out and called and again the reality is no one answers the phone <laughs> if you know if you're calling 113th of the database and you have 250 people in your database you got 20 calls every Wednesday mm -hmm. you know, if it's 500 people you got 40 calls how many people you get to talk to if you're making 40 calls every Wednesday four, five, six, right. you're going to leave voicemails with all of them. And they're going to go, Oh, that's Ricardo. He's always thinking about me. And I'm a jerk. I'm so busy at work. I can never <laughs> pick up his call. But again, your, your goal is to stay top of mind. Say, yep. I did an awesome job for you. I'm still here. And I still want to work with you and your friends and family. It's really all it is. So Thursday is our pre-approved and looking. So all of our clients that have been pre-approved, the worst thing that can happen, and realtors, you know this, they roll out to they see something on Zillow and go look at an open house and that agent goes, we can write up an offer right now. Yeah. Next thing you know, your pre-approved <laughs> client is in escrow with someone else. Yep. It's super easy to happen. So our thing is, hey, just wanted to give you an update. Here's what happened in the market this week. Everything looks good with your pre-approval or hey, we're two months in, we need to update pay stubs, W-2s if you're still actively looking. Are you planning on looking at houses this weekend? Have you seen anything online you'd like to see numbers on? You're just engaging in a conversation and continuing to be there to say, I got you pre-approved. I like you. I'm awesome. We're going to follow up. Don't, don't run off and do something crazy <laughs> like getting a loan from someone else. To keep the consumer updated, but also the realtor partner, if you have one. Yep. So that's the manual process of, of phone calls um, that are being made. The, and, and that all happens in, so Lodasoft that we're transitioning to, um, Loda has a dialer in there, much like phone burner. A lot of realtors use phone burner. It's a mm -hmm. great tool, but it's a little janky in that it's an island off into itself. So you have your lists and you got to get your list in the phone burner and then it does a great job of following through with it. Um, Loda basically has those lists. So we go, mm -hmm. who are, who are my currently pre-approved and looking borrowers? It cues them up and we can bang it, through the call. You're basically segmenting your list inside of it. Yep. Yep. So for Monday calls, Tuesday calls, Wednesday calls, Thursday calls, we know exactly what that looks, what that looks like. And it, it does it. And the cool thing is you record with any of those dialers, you record one message. If I miss Ricardo and if I miss Susie, I'm leaving the same message. Record it once for the five, six, seven, eight, ten people you get to talk to. Cool. You want to have a two minute conversation um, because they're probably at work when you're making that call. You don't want to interrupt them. If they want to talk for 20 minutes, cool. But for the most part, you want to be max five minutes on those calls in and out. I want to emphasize for some people because I, I get this pushback sometimes. I want to do it manually because I want it to come off personalized. If your automation isn't a bad thing and if your copy is right, it can still come across as personalized is what I'm trying to say. I am trying to get that person on the phone. I'm not, I'm not doing so. Um, why am I drawing a blank? What's the, the slide dial? I'm not yep. slide dialing all, all 200 of them a week and going, boom, here's a voicemail message. Right. I mean, if you choose to do that, it's better than not doing it at all. I'm not going to tell you, Hey, you're a bad <laughs> person because that's inauthentic. Right. You, 
you meant to contact them and you did it in a way that you could broadcast. We're not doing that. Um, we are trying to make the phone call. If they don't answer, I don't have time to sit there and leave the same message, the same 30-second right. message 50 times in a day. That's you know 25 minutes. We're all busy. So it's just automating an authentic way of, of following up with those clients. So that's the more manual piece of it. So mm -hmm. while it's largely automated, it's still manual. And we're not just robocalling people. Sure. It's a real person picking up the phone and making those calls. Um, the, the more automated pieces is everyone that we talk to. Let's say I talk to you about refinancing your home and you mm -hmm. end up refinancing with someone else. I still have your property address and I still have your email. <laughs> You're going to get a home bought from me for the rest of your life until you unsubscribe mm -hmm. because in two years, three years, four years, eight years, when rates drop again, which they will, we can talk about that. People are crazy and think rates are going to be increasing. <laughs> but when they do and we get the next wave of two and a quarter, 30 year fixed refinances, you're not going to remember the person that you chose and I'll mm -hmm. still be doing loans and I'll still be more awesome than them. And I'll still be in your inbox reminding you of that uh, every week. So that's the key and important piece is just being there. And HomeBot is the best tool. I mean, you've, you've killed it ad nauseum here. Scott has super great relationships with him. Like any realtor that tells me, well, will it work? Well, should I do it? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I'll just say this. If you're a realtor and you're not using HomeBot, you are either doing yourself a, a massive disservice or you should just find another job. Like if, if it's not obvious to you after talking to three or four or five other realtors and lenders that are using HomeBot, like of any tool that we use. So HomeBot is more expensive for, for mortgage lenders, for, lenders. Is for realtors. And for every realtor that we sponsor, we then pay as much as the realtor pays for that. Mm -hmm. so I've got 40 something realtors in there yep. and I pay our freight every month. They would have to pry that from my cold, dead hand <laughs> that I can say, because I don't have to do anything other than uh, making sure that the information gets in the HomeBot. HomeBot does the rest. People like it. It's, it's wanted information in their inbox on a repeated basis mm -hmm. with total calls to action in there to reach out to me. When, when Scott, Scott regularly has shown the, the, the emails during webinars or presentations. This guy wants to get pre-approved on a second home. He wants to know how much he actually qualifies for. Here's, so here's the best uh -huh. example. We have a couple of realtors out in the Inland Empire. They have never sent me a single referral. I sponsor <laughs> them in HomeBot, pay that bill every month. They have a big database, like a couple thousand people in mm -hmm. HomeBot that my shining face goes into their inbox every month. I think I've closed <laughs> six or eight refinances for their clients. There's, wow. there's, there's two other loan officers that pay thousands of dollars a month mm -hmm. to, to pay for Zillow leads for them. And all of those Zillow leads end up going into my home bot for my follow-up. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't say that to denigrate anyone else or say they're not doing things wisely, mm -hmm. but um, there's better ways than going out and just spending for Zillow ads for a realtor. Now, and I, I say that saying, for the right realtor, we'll happily pay for Zillow ads. And those guys happen to be the right realtors. They just have two good relationships that if they said, hey, we want to sub you in and you pay that person's bill, I'm cool with that because they do a great job of following up on those leads and they will convert them. And I've seen the ROI on it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you guys had that conversation a week or so ago with Noah on, on the marketing trench mm -hmm. and marketing's not an expense. Writing a check should be a multiplier. If, if someone has demonstrated the ROI, if an agent shows me I'm spending money on this marketing, I would like you to share in it with me. Cool. Show me the ROI. Right. And, and if you're watching this and you're spending significant money online buying leads, um, doing other type of marketing, hopefully you've done that. And you know that, hey, 
here's the expense and I would like you to share the expense because you're going to generate revenue off of it. But I know this for a fact. I'm not asking you to do an experiment with me. I've already performed the experiment. And again, for the, for the right realtor, I would, I would perform the experiment with them um, as an investment in them and, and where they're going. Mm-hmm. But when I say right realtor, it's not just someone doing a volume of business. Sometimes the guy that's already selling 20 houses a year is the absolute wrong person to do that with because he's not hungry to add three, four, five more transactions in. So the hard part of following up on those leads may, may not happen. So the right person is someone that has a need for it, has a commitment to it, has the systems in place and probably the team. Because if you're already a successful realtor, you following up on Zillow leads or any other purchased online lead is not the most effective use of your time. No. It doesn't mean that it can't, it can't be a very effective use of your team's time or an outsourced dialer's time. Um, but that's, again, it just kind of goes back to what we look at when we're deciding who is a good realtor partner for us. And again, we're not the right, real, we're not the right lender partner for every realtor, but we're wanting to be out there and mingling. So when we right. find that little Venn diagram that our needs overlap, that we partner up. And, and, and in real terms, we pick up two or three new realtors a year. Now, largely that's because we have a volume of business, so we're not aggressively out there. If I started from scratch, I would get out and meet more realtors and we would add six or eight or 10 in a year. If you just but, got licensed or something. Yeah, but that's just the reality of it. Um, it's, it's not easy, it takes time, um, and you, you kiss a lot of frogs. Not in that the person's <laughs> bad that they're a frog, just not the right fit for us. Right. You know, you, you've seen this, you've made some introductions to realtors that are really good realtors. And most people outside of the business are, well, that's exactly who you want to talk to. That person sells 20 homes every year with an <laughs> average of $1.5 million sale. And you go, yeah, my average loan amounts $490,000. It's just a market mismatch. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm great at, at doing loans. They're great at selling houses, but we're doing two different things. So yeah. it's not, neither here nor there, you got to find the right people doing the right stuff that are a match for what you do. And, and we do those high-end loans. We could do it. It's, uh, if I wanted to do that, I probably wouldn't be a broker. I'd go work for a Chase or a Wells that really does a great job of offering low rates and catering to high net worth individuals. Yeah, people are at different stages and maybe run their business differently too. So yeah, it's yeah. not one size fits all for everybody. No, no, that's what's cool about it. <laughs> I've got friends that do business very differently. A guy, Jeb's a member over at Seacliff Country Club, a guy over there that's also a member. He works for Finance of America uh, Retail. And like, I would never want to do that. Well, he does more business than I do. And his average loan amount is one and a half times mine. So it would be kind of dumb of me to go, well, he's doing it wrong. <laughs> it works great. It works great for him. He's happy as all get out. So we, we all have different paths to get where we want to be and do what, we, what makes us happy. What other parts of your business uh, are automated? So what other, like, what's the tech stack if we want to look at that? So let's let's kind of close the loop on what we were talking about of the, the marketing the more manual process is um it is automated to get people into homebot mm-hmm. it's automated to get them into sales boomerang or monitor base for realtors i don't believe you can access either of those because it's credit data driven and you have to be able to make a firm offer of credit um but that's an interesting piece. If you have a large database, there's nothing that prohibits me from adding your clients into my monitor based database and getting triggered anytime they're looking for uh, a mortgage, which could mean buying a new home or refinancing. So it is something that we have partnered with. But, on a, but, with a, for, a but for the realtors here, I think HomeBot is one of those low effort, high value, really, really high value pieces. 
Because even if they did, if they did just that, we see listing opportunities pop out of that all day, every day. Yeah. Maybe not, so, maybe not every day, but you know, enough times that it makes sense. times a year. Exactly. Times a year. So let's circle back to that. Cause I'm going through something pretty interesting with a company that supports both mortgage and real estate companies. And um, he's offering a, a free online course that I've been doing every Monday. And you want to talk about blocking and tackling it's pure blocking and tackling. And even for us and where we are, um, for a few reasons, we kind of have to circle back to to that basics of, of the database. But where it was going, Homebot and Monitor Base for us, Monitor Base triggers us anytime someone in our database has a, a credit inquiry pulled for a mortgage. It also has some other intent monitors of saying this person's likely to move or they're likely to get married, things that might mean they're going to borrow. Um, mm-hmm. Those aren't the easiest leads to follow up on. They're better than a, a Zillow lead. Um, because it's someone that's shown intent and you have some sort of relationship with them, but it's a hard call. You can't mm-hmm. just call them and say, Hey, I saw that you pulled your credit and we're looking for a mortgage. It, it, it takes a little finesse, but those pieces are important. In addition to the other stuff, we have done a very poor job of this. One piece of, of freedom club advice or, or dogma actually is a piece of snail mail to your database every month. And, and Scott and I have always said, eh, it's you guys used to do this. We did, and we never did it every month. And Scott and I always kind of went back and forth like, well, that's kind of overkill. So let's do it every other month or quarterly. So we shot for every two to three months having a real piece of mail in their inbox. Um, We had a group call with myself and about seven or eight other loan officers over the holidays of what worked, what sucked and didn't work this year, what did work. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys shared what he's done to automate as much as possible those monthly mailers. So um, I forget who it is. It's a print company that he's partnered with. So he literally has an art student at the local community college that he pays $50 that draws a handwritten greeting card. So he gives them like caveman drawing on (laughs) the paper. And then this art student makes it look like a cool hand drawn thing. But the important piece about this is like, I would say viral marketing, the company that I was telling you about that I'm I'm following their stuff. They also say once a month, you're mailing to your database, but his is like a typed letter, letter from the heart, um, <laughs> typed letter in a, a, a number 11 envelope that everyone knows. It just, boom, they're going in the trash. Now, you might think that my hand-drawn greeting card looking thing is corny, but think about it. Are you more or less likely to it's, open a greeting card looking envelope or a number 11 envelope look like every other bill or, or piece of market? It's pretty simple, right? Yeah. And then, and then when you open it, you're like, well, this is cool. Someone hand drew something. What the heck is this? And you open it. And then there's a real message from the loan officer saying, Hey, here's what's going on with our business or what happened with my yeah. family. And it's just checking in. I'm here. I still do loans. I like <laughs> you. And I'd like to know anyone that you like and do loans for them. So he's spinning that guy. He's got it down. I think it's a dollar 34, including postage for uh, sends out about 1700 of a month. It's about $2,000. Oh, wow. he, he has 30 to 40 inbound calls off of those greeting cards. No way. Yes. Wild. And it ends up two, three, four loans every month. No every way. Month. So you're like, okay, in his market, I think he said the average gross commission, this isn't net profit in his pocket, just like realtors, your gross, his average gross commission is like $7,500, three or four of them a month to 
to, for spending $2,000. And there's some work and effort, but he's systematized it. The database spits out the list. So here's the list. It goes over every first of the month to the mailhouse. He, caveman draws his here's, drawing. Here's sends my it over chicken scratch tree. drawing. <laughs> a week later, she sends back a little piece of art. She sends it over to the, the little print house. They put it all together, send it out, phone starts ringing. Wow. So, that is one of our big uh, initiatives for this year. So I'm hoping by the end of Q1, we will have that fully on board. Um, again, I'm sort of the, the uppity guy that I like pretty things, nice logos and, and all that fun <laughs> hey stuff. Hey man, done is better than perfect. But not only that, like it's a beautiful logoed greeting card. Even yeah. a greeting card is more likely to get thrown in the trash than this handwritten thing that someone spent yeah. time on that it's, they didn't just buy it off the shelf. They spent time and they care. So don't get me wrong. After someone gets 10, 12, 15 of them, it's going to get opened, looked at real quick and still thrown away, but you've already bought the brain cells. They're going to see three, four, five of those before they throw it away. Yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying everyone has to do that, but when you hear the guy explain what he does, how simple it is and the returns that it builds in terms of relationships and closed deals, you're like, yep. okay, I'm kind of dumb for not doing that. No, those are great returns. So that's a big piece of that. Um, and then let's just segue into viral marketing. You, you know the guys at Viral Marketing? Briefly. I know that they do, they handle or help you create a video marketing strategy, right? Exactly. So you talk to a lot of realtors about, hey, you need to be on YouTube. You need to be doing video. And everyone says, well, I'm not good at it. I don't know how to produce <laughs> it. I don't know what type of camera. I don't need to know this either. Viral for for better or worse, plus or minus a thousand dollars a month, you pay mm -hmm. them. They're going to put you through the whole process of compiling and cleaning your database. And I mean the right way. That's one of the things I'm in the process of doing right now before we start doing our, our mailings. Um, they send you an iPad that they like, they control, there's an app, it's called OR Capture, that it takes yeah. over your iPad. They're directing you. There's a director taking the information out of your head. All you have to do is be an expert on your market. And they have topics and ideas every month of what will work for, uh, for your local market. It's local, but just take these topics, address it in your local market, and send it out to your database. So um, at least two quality videos a month. So for they, them- they, It sounds like they literally take the guesswork out of the whole process. Exactly. Truly done for you. So they record it, they produce it, they put it on your YouTube channel, they manage your um, customer list in mm. um, uh, an email software. It's not MailChimp, I forget. Get Emma, I think is what they use. Mm. Um, and they manage it in there and twice a month, there you are in the inbox, reminding people, I'm in the business, I sell houses, I have good information, <laughs> I like you, and I want to work with you and people like you. <laughs> it sounds like painfully simple when you break it down, but it truly is. No one needs to come up with some fancy marketing campaign. It's yeah. just build a sphere, stay in front of them, demonstrate your expertise and let them know that you like them and you'd like to work with more people like them. Yeah. So from, from there, um, that's it. I'm not even saying you need to use viral. If you're comfortable with video and you're making your own video, I would say if you had Homebot going out once a month, you had two, modern current up-to-date videos of you demonstrating expertise in the market and once a month or even every other month you have a beautiful oh, handwritten oh, oh. card yeah a local market update or you know how you help the buyer offer get accepted in a multiple offer situation whatever anything that demonstrates that expertise yeah. and and one of the things so in, in our marketing mastermind and in our our 
we have a, another business and we've got three partners on it that are like marketing geniuses. And the thing that we always talk about is calls to action, mm-hmm. calls to action. Business people of all types are terrible at it. It's like, okay, I sent out this card, but what's the call to action? Make sure when you're done, ask for the business ask for the business. Again, it sounds super fundamental and it could be uncomfortable. It's like, you know, how many, how many guys have gone out? They're single, they want a girlfriend and they go out and they (laughs) finally find a girl and they sit down and the girl wants to talk to them and they have a 30, 40 minute conversation, but they're afraid to ask for the number. They they did all of the work. They did all of the work, but it can't go anywhere unless you say, can I have your phone number so we can communicate further. So that's in, in this business, you, you, you got to ask for the phone number. You got to say, Hey, I, I like you. I want to work with more people, <laughs> you and more people like you. And I'm pretty good at what I do. And you want to find a cool way to say it. That's Carl's favorite thing is look, it, you want to find a cool way to say it, a cool way to say it. Can it be creepy asking the girl for her phone number? Yeah. Or can she be really <laughs> happy that you asked her for her? It's all in how you do it. Don't be creepy. Be cool. Uh, it, it, I could see where it's off-putting where the aggressive salesperson comes, you know, flying out of the gate with let, you know, let me do your loan and let's buy a house or whatever. And that's why all of these cool tools are passive ways of demonstrating your expertise and just reminding them I'm in the business. And if they get a video from you twice a month and now remember people open emails, probably even less than real mail nowadays, but if they get that email, and they're being followed around in Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. with a custom audience, and they can see that email. They're just reminded. You don't want them to forget when the time comes. You know, Google had the whole thing 10, 12 years ago, the zero moment of truth. When someone types in a search term, do you show up in pay-per-click? Because if not, they can't pick you. So when someone starts thinking, I need to buy a house, I need to get a loan, I need to refinance, are you top of mind? That's what a lot of this stuff is. And, and Scott is super fond of saying this. He blogged for three years at findmywayhome.com before anyone cared, before he ever <laughs> closed the email off of it. Yep. We made a lot of money off Find My Way Home today because he was willing to spend three years making none. So it's not... Before I, he you, saw the light at the end of the tunnel. You might close a deal in the first three months of working your database this way. You probably will in the first six months by 12 months, you should be starting to get some traction with it, but it's not until two or three years later because now you started with a certain database size and every year it grows a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger. And you've demonstrated to all those people, I'm in the business. I didn't go away from the business. I like you and I want to work with people <laughs> just like you. As you start to smile. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. It's true because think about it. You know what? I'm not going to lie to you. Everyone that enters our database doesn't stay in our database. We mm-hmm. close loans for people that are turds. I don't want to do loans for them <laughs> or people like them. So if you stay in that database, I like you. We like you. My team likes you. <laughs> and generally, cool people associate with cool people. They're not going to refer. You know you have a buddy that maybe you like, but he's a jerk. Yeah. You're not going to refer him to someone you like. You're going to be no. like, hey, Bill's a cool, cool guy, but he can be a jerk. I'm not going to take my chances of whether that's a good referral or not. Uh, gosh. Okay. So where, where is the opportunity for, um, agents and lenders, mostly agents, uh, I I think is our audience here. Where's the opportunity for them in 2021? What sort of things should we be thinking about? Should they be thinking about as they go out and talk to their clients? We've covered a lot from the marketing angle, you know, the stuff that I see you and Jeb doing consistently, 
is, is local market updates, things like that. But where's the opportunity in 2021, you think? You have to be a market expert. If you're not a market expert, what reason do you have to exist? Like, it's easy to say, oh, Zillow wants to sell houses. They, they want to buy houses from people and make it easy. Can you compete with that? It's, it's funny. Like, I see that realtors are like, oh, I have my own um, instant offer program. Like, okay, mm. is it as good as Zillow's? Probably not. You can replicate it, but you're not as good at it. But what can Zillow never be? They can't, they can't, they're not boots on the ground. They don't know they, your market. They can't be the local market expert. No. Like one of the things that Jeb started with, and this is funny, like uh, it's easy to see the YouTube channel now and see 17,000 subscribers and see the number of inquiries that come in every day. But he and I started making videos in 2013, 2014, and we would go to a condo complex and I would take a video of him explaining everything about that condo complex and local to his area. Yeah. I believe if you go to jebsmith.net right now, you can see a video on every condo complex in Huntington Beach. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's, can, can Zillow do that? I mean, I guess maybe they could, but is that the same as a real person going, hey, this is what's awesome about this complex. This is what sucks about that complex. Um, this is what you need to be aware of if you're considering buying a condo. Hey, the HOAs 10 years ago were $210 in there. Now they're $510 a month. I wouldn't buy in there with your money. Hey, things that's like something that. I would want to know. Yeah. You know, as things, we start looking at property, that's something we would want to know. Know what you can differentiate. And, and you know, it's funny, like the big one that we compete with. So on the realtor side is, is the Zillow and Redfin boogeyman. On our end, it, it's Quicken. So I always ask everyone, how many Quicken ads did you see or hear today? The answer is generally, <laughs> generally five or more. So wow. radio, print, billboards, usually five or more. And I, and I ask you, go back through your brain. Um, you know, they sponsor almost every sporting event, every sports radio show. They are on every channel and, and their message is push button, get mortgage. Now, I don't know if we're allowed to say this on Ricardo's show, but push button, get mortgage is 100% pure bullshit. And they know that they know it has <laughs> never been honest or true. It is a lead form. Mm-hmm. Rocket mortgage is a lead form. So put in your push, put in your loan information, push button and get connected to the call center. So cool. They'll, they'll, they'll publish numbers that say we did $3 billion of rocket mortgages last year. Nope. You got $3 billion of closed loans that started on a lead form that you call rocket mortgage. So it's no different. You're dealing with changes and things. I cannot compete with rocket mortgage. They spend over a billion dollars with a B on marketing. I can't Mm -hmm. compete with that. They can't compete with me. If one of my clients calls a kid in a call center in Cleveland or Detroit and attempts to have a conversation that is qualitatively different than what we're going to discuss, and they will know immediately. And if they choose to push button, get mortgage at that point, that's on them. I did my part. I'm an expert. I know the questions to ask them. I know what they want and need to know. And I know how to deliver that information to them in a way that they want and need to hear it. Right. Um, that's our job. That's how you compete with these giant monoliths that are trying to overly simplify an industry that is not simple. You know, yeah, like e- even Redfin, we can sit here and say there's good things about it. Like I, we started this by saying 20% of realtors and, and lenders are mm-hmm. worth their, their weight. The other 80% don't need to be here. We all have way too much competition from people <laughs> who are not good at what they do. 
So uh, you not only fighting the other 20% of your profession that's, that's really good at it and could do a good job for a customer, you're fighting this 80% of idiots. Well, that's, that's what these companies are. So when you look at a Redfin, what did Redfin say? There's no way Redfin can be as good as an awesome top of their game agent with a team purpose built to deliver 10 star service to their clients. But what they did do, they said, we can be B plus on every transaction by hiring <laughs> all of these people who will take a salary and will answer their phone and be a professional and have a system and we've given them the tools. So that's like, that's minimum cost of entry. Like if you can't demonstrate how you're better than Redfin, like you do all of the things that Redfin does and then you do it better, why, why would you exist? What is, what is your reason for being? And maybe it can be, hey, I'm not big on all that stuff. I have a transaction coordinator that'll do a good job at that, but you wanna know what I'm amazing at? I'm the greatest negotiator in the history of the world. And we've all known people like this. Mm -hmm. like, I don't know how they do it, but they get the best deal on everything. Yeah. Okay, maybe that's your calling card. Um, the other thing may be, I am the most known person in my market. There's a lady here in Huntington Beach. She actually markets our area. Jeb and I have a transaction going on with her right now. There's no one within a two mile radius of my house that doesn't know her, that couldn't tell a <laughs> genuine story of, oh yeah, I know her, or, you know, like literally knows her in a way. Oh, wow. So if you're that person, Redfin can't compete with that. No. So there's more than one way to skin a cat. You just have to be awesome at something that these big monolithic companies can't compete with. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting year. Like um, the whole YouTube phenomenon and and following Jeb and what he's built with the channel. Largely, our goal this year mm -hmm. is is to get that built up. We have way bigger databases of people we can email to, mm -hmm. and he has these nice big uh, list of of people on YouTube that will pay attention to him, and therefore YouTube will put him in front of more people. So they're different mm -hmm. things. The digital stuff is very different. So for us, realizing that we need to convert our big databases into big online audiences, and you know, you and I talked before the call about this. Some people hear that and go, well, that's great, Josh. You have a Find My Way Home customer list with 17,000 people located <laughs> in California. So like, that, that's a pretty big advantage, right? Yeah. And most, most people don't have that. But what is, what is your advantage and what is necessary? So like um viral the very first week said how do you how do you get your your list yeah you and you download all of your facebook friends yep you download all of your contacts in your phone you download all of there's a tool called evercontact if you use gmail personally it will go through and pull out of email signatures and emails and make a list of everyone in there now we have a list probably about five times bigger than we need it to be but anytime someone tells me they don't have a list if you've been a realtor one day you have a list <laughs> get the list and, and like some of the things we, we have sponsored people that are newer or newer to compiling their list and marketing that are realtors and we sponsor them in HomeBot and I go in three, four months later and they have four people in HomeBot. Yeah. Like at, yep. at that point, we're talking about when I know someone is not a fit for us. It's just a quick phone call. Say, Hey, you, you know what? Um, it looks like you decided to not move forward with building out your database and you know, that's great. It's just not a good fit for us and, and where we're going. Because honestly, the, the real thing you want to say to that person is you're not serious about mm -hmm. this business. The list is the most important thing. If, if and you're not whether, committed to growing your list in some way, shape or form, honestly, yeah. downloading your contacts from your phone as a CSV file, is probably one of the easiest low hanging fruit. 
and there are a ton of tools like, um, mm -hmm. you know, we, we can list them here. Just uh, never bounce to, to get emails and, and scrub and just eliminate all the ones that bounce. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can call through the list. You can hire a VA to call through your list. Let's say you compile everything from Facebook, LinkedIn, your phone contacts, and your Gmail, and you end up with 1,000 people. Most people won't. They'll end up with more. Some people might only have 500. Let's say you go through that. And by the time you've scrubbed and cleaned it, you only have 100 people. If you put 100 people in HomeBot, you will sell two houses out of it next year. 100 homeowners, I should say. If you just put 100 random people in there, I doubt. But 100 people that know, <laughs> like, and trust you that own homes, you will sell two homes out of it. And I know people all around the country watch this. But for us in Orange County, California, a low-end purchase is $700,000. A 2.5% commission on that, let me see if I can do math, that's $17,500 minus whatever your split is. Right. Two of those, two of those you, you have a, a, a job Pretty, that's close to the nationwide median income. I was going to say a pretty good start to the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's not like, that's, that's not the only thing you're going to do. Like it's not, it's not easy. Otherwise everyone would be doing it, but it's almost mm -hmm. like whenever anyone tells me that, well, it's hard or I could do it. If it was easy, everyone would do it. <laughs> and, and, and then, then it wouldn't be worthwhile. Cause they, it's like, you were sort of like, why is gold valuable? Why is diamond valuable? Cause they're rare. Not everyone has them. So if you have them, you have something that other people want. Yeah. So those things, you got to mine the gold, you got to mine the diamonds. You, you, you don't start out that way. They're ugly little rocks and they get polished and made into diamonds. So there's some work to it, but at the end of the day, like this last year, the whole COVID thing for us, I wanted to complain so many times <laughs> because our volume doubled. We were coming in here at seven in the morning, leaving here at nine o'clock at night, go home, eat some dinner, lay down exhausted, go to sleep and come back the next day with for three or four months, there was no sports on TV. There's no new TV programming, no movies coming out. You can't go to restaurants. <laughs> you can't go on vacation. So again, I say uh, this. Sounds I say this, brutal. Like, uh, modern first world problems. Right? Yeah. And you're going, I have to work too much. I have big paychecks and all of my entertainment options suck. <laughs> so I'm not asking someone to feel sorry for me, but it is. It, it wears you down. It's a grind. Um, and you just got to remind yourself, a lot of people don't have jobs. A lot of people's industries mm -hmm. have been decimated by this, uh, you know, and at the end of the day, I didn't get up at seven in the morning and go dig ditches until 9 PM. Mm -hmm. My back doesn't hurt at the end of the day. I don't have calluses and ripped blisters on my hands and feet. Largely we are knowledge and information workers. We get paid for what we know. We get paid for who we know and building that database. Um, but, it's important to, to remember that, you know, you would ask what did, what happened last year? What did it do to our business? Um, it didn't quite double it, but, but close. So you realize really quickly where the holes are in your boat when, when you get out to sea. So that was the, the biggest gift. It was the biggest challenge in last year and mm -hmm. it was a gift for us in that you're like, wow, things that worked really well at, at, 15 transactions a month don't work well at all at 40 transactions a month. <laughs> just, they just don't. And so you take a step back and you go, okay, which of our tools, what of our tech stack is working? What doesn't work? What do we need to polish? What do we need to make better? Um, so last year was really a gift, not just in terms of the closings and the, the income, but being able to find and locate all the holes in our boat 
and like first quarter of this year is let's fix all of those. So yeah. even when even when the market recedes, which I don't think is going to happen in 2021, but when the market recedes, we've become that much bigger and stronger and better that either we can go back to doing 2025 transactions super easy and it's like mm -hmm. a part-time job because we're so good at it and our systems are so dialed or we can continue doing that much business because we've built up that database of people that like us that we mm -hmm. like and, and we've been asking them to send their friends and family. Well, um, guys, I think this is one thing that I would note is it's never too late to start. I heard you say earlier, Josh, you know, some people look at you and say, well, you guys have a massive database with findmywayhome.com. Like that started somewhere, right? So, so I think it's never too late to start. Um, one of the questions that we ask ourselves regularly, and if you haven't asked or did this for yourself is, you know, us at West, we ask ourselves what worked or what went well last year, what didn't go so well. And then do I have the tools necessary to allow me to excel and do even better this year? For you, it's, you know, identifying what those blind spots are or identified ways or areas to make improvements. I, I think that's super important. You should always be tackling, you know, some portion of that every, every day doing stuff that moves the needle in other words. You but know, um, Following up on what you said there, just in terms of it's never too late to start. Jeb and I had this conversation like two, three months ago. He hmm. goes, dude, when we started making those videos in 2013, we're idiots. <laughs> if we had just gone balls out in 2013, we would be kings of the YouTube world. and We'd be half retired right now. And I said, you're 100% correct, but we don't have a time machine. So we're not Bill and Ted. We don't have a hot tub time <laughs> machine. We can't go back. What I can say is that 2021 is closer to 2013 than where peak YouTube is. So pick a tool, pick something you're good at and awesome, mm -hmm. and all of these opportunities are there. So he proved that by starting in 2020, and he's going to have 50 to 100,000 subscribers by the end of the year. And That's that will wild. take care of his income for as long as he wants to be in this business. My goal is to get that to 50 or 100,000 and to build those, those databases of clients that, that we can yep. email or call, get those to, to 50,000. Once you have that, it's, you know, the, the article, what was it, 15 years ago, they came up with 1,000 true fans? Yep it doesn't require a monstrous audience. Like you look and say, Oh, I need X. No, you just need a bunch of people that know, like, and trust you. <laughs> That's awesome. Josh, where can we learn more about you? Find you online, et cetera. So I, you know, we've, we've gone back and forth on this. I would love <laughs> to say that we were going to build out the Bywise mortgage channel or the Josh Lewis channel like Jeb Smith has done. Um, but uh, where we're going with that is building out the find my way home channel. And it's going to be a network of experts, additional people that really know the mortgage business in all parts of the country. Mm -hmm. But um, for now, the majority of the content there on the find my way home uh, YouTube channel is me. So we would love for you to subscribe there. Um, if you're local and you just want to talk, if you're local and you would like to send your loans to a guy like Josh, um, <laughs> call, email, um, the, the office phone number 714-916-5727, emails josh at buywisemortgage.com. Um, I would love to say we're really good at other forms of social media, but we're really not. Um, so all the Instagram and TikTok and all those <laughs> Um, you guys are great at what you do, man. We, we stay in our lane. <laughs> thanks, Josh. I appreciate you. No, thanks for having us.